Welcome friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life. And we both know that that life starts inside of you. If you want to say goodbye to anxiety, frustration, and negative self-talk, and say hello to peace, mindfulness, gratitude, and living your best life, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not social conditioning, and not your past. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready. It's time to feel incredible from the inside out. Hey there. Thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way that you can always support is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love or popping over to leave a review. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content. So thank you so much in advance. Also make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a challenge this week to upgrade your health and your life. All right, so more than ever before, so many of us are coming out of this pandemic, feeling this fire within ourselves, this fire to live our lives freely, openly, and on our own terms. Millions of us globally are becoming awakened to our own innate radiance and to the awareness that we were not born to be quiet, to feel less than, or to never make mistakes. The truth is, we were all born with our own inherent radiance and the desire to live a life of our dreams. In fact, as young children, we were completely tuned in to these desires. Our minds were open, curious, and free. But as we started to internalize societal rules, norms, and pressures, we developed insecurities and became aware of what others believed or held true, which contributes to our own sense of self. And so many of us began toning down our emotions throughout our lives. We began ignoring our unique gifts. And sadly, decisions came at the expense of our greatest selves. Today, I'm sitting down with feminine leadership mentor and spiritual counselor, Anahita June, to unpack what it means to live a life filled with love, beauty, pleasure, and power, all while harnessing leadership and purpose. Anahita's work is absolutely transformational. She was born during the Islamic Revolution of Iran, and Anahita is a modern-day priestess, healer, and medicine woman. Her work is the accumulation of over 25 years of intensive study with mystic masters and shamans. Anahita helps activate the sacred leadership of women ready to awaken the force of nature within. She helps communities of women embody their fullest expression of their desire to pivot and up-level their lives. She's also a writer and a public speaker and did a TEDx talk on the rise of the feminine and the deep healing from shame that we all need and long for. And so I'm so excited for her to be here today to help you discover these simple mindset shifts to embrace your truest self, heal from shame, and trust yourself radically as you step back into this new world. 
Hi, Anahita. Welcome to the Awesome Inside Out podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to go deeper with you. I absolutely loved our first conversation when we first met. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. And hello, everyone. Hello. So we connected right, I think like right when the pandemic started. And I was just so blown away by your story, but I'm actually really happy that we're doing this conversation now as people kind of reintegrate back into the world Mm -hmm. um, because you're just on this mission to really, really help women become awakened, right, to their own radiance, to the awareness that they're not born here to be quiet, they're not born (laughs) to feel less than, and they're definitely not born to be this be perfect this this idea of perfection that has been projected on us for so so many years and so um i know right now more than ever as women are coming out of this pandemic feeling that fire within themselves to really live a life that's free on their own terms i would love for you to start potentially with your own story um It's such an incredible story about how you were born during the Islamic Revolution of Iran and what really led you to do this powerful, powerful work that you're up to today. Mm, Wow. Okay. Thank you. I am happy to be coming together now as well. You know, I feel like so many of us have gone through massive transformation. Anybody who has been up for the game and was already a yes to their own evolution has gone through a transformation. I mean, I just keep seeing it, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, my story, like you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, the the cards where I was born and raised in Iran, you know, Islamic regime, highly oppressive. And, you know, it, I experienced it as highly oppressive and it is highly oppressive to women and certainly any woman who would want to express in any way. Um, so, you know, it, it was just, you know, like I could step outside and I could literally like nine years old, I remember like having a gun, like a like a long gun, you know, pointed in my face because my hair covering has slipped back a little bit. And I was nine and I look at the pictures and really I look like I'm six, you know, so I'm a child. And so that was just the fabric. That was, that was just the pool that I was swimming in, so to speak. And, um, it was extremely painful. You know, it was just, I I didn't understand. I watched American movies. I didn't understand the freedom in the West and why we were lacking. I didn't understand why behind closed doors, the women in my family or extended family would be celebrated for dancing at the parties and belly dancing. But it was so, this was one of the things, you know, that I've been tracking literally my whole life. It was like, she was praised, let's say said woman, like maybe married to one of my uncles or engaged to somebody in the family, 18 to 25 years old would be praised uh, for, you know, being beautiful and sensual and belly dancing. But there was this invisible line that if she went over she would become identified as a whore. Mm. And it was so, I just never, I mean, I was, I was so perplexed the whole time because it, you know, they wanted it. They wanted her to dance. They wanted that sensuality of the divine feminine. They, they celebrated it, but then there was a place where they felt, oops, she went a little too far because maybe I can't control that piece. You know, now, now I see it a little bit. And so it, it was just, you know, a lot of pain. And eventually, you know, I came to the States and, I realized that so much of the oppression that I had grown up with uh, was internalized. Like literally I was talking to myself and being with myself the way that the culture had been with me. And my mother put me in the landmark farm for teens when I was 14. So I was able to kind of 
just connect to my own inner dialogue pretty early. I mean, I was already a pretty deep kid. I was always wow. the adult. That's amazing. Yeah. So it, you know, that was the beginning. And then the whole journey ultimately was about like, how do I find freedom? Where is freedom? Because you took me out of the oppressive country. I'm in the free country, but I don't feel free. Mm. And so it became a journey about finding that freedom and really dismantling just everything that I had been told. It was just such massive programming. And this is where, you know, it's, it's really what I continue to support women with is so much religious recovery, you know, where the, the women seek to maintain the relationship with the divine, with their chosen relationship with God, but they have felt so shamed for their inherent beingness by the construct, the organized religion that they've been participating in. So um, let's see, coming back to the story. Well, you know, you know the story because it's out there. Um, set on a path of awakening, all these things. And then after I was like awake and totally devoted and like mentoring with some of like, you know, being mentored by some of the very big names, like the grandparents of the spiritual movement, Mm-hmm. I was guided to go and become a stripper. And I was like, no, you know, I don't, I can't do that. Like my identity was just so challenged. Um, and yet the guidance was extremely clear, you know, to go and do that and send the freedom back to my ancestors. And, and so that's, you know, I spent six years doing that. I thought I would do it for a year. I thought that would like, well, I thought like maybe a week would do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I thought like a year was like a really long time. And then I was like, oh my gosh, why am I not done? Like every year I would put my stuff in storage and I would like go work and live at Omega, which is this like retreat center in upstate. Or I would go, you know, to Turkey and I would study with Sufis. Like every year I would put everything in storage and say, maybe I'm done, you know, like, and then, and then it would be time to come back to the States or go back and get my stuff. And the guidance would say, go back to the club. Like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, am I ruining my life? What am I doing? (laughs) And I was also teaching yoga by day and like coaching some people, but nobody knew about my double life. Very few people did. And so ultimately that's how long it took to kind of split the, um, heal the split in my psyche where, um, you know, where it wasn't a secret anymore. It took that long. You know, I just remember like having, you know, being at a dinner with Michael Beckwith, he'd shown up to my surprise birthday dinner. There was like 15 people and, you know, they were there because he was my teacher. And I remember just feeling comfortable enough to talk with him about my dancing. And he had been my teacher for a long time. And so it was, that's how long it took to be able to do that, to just not crumble into shame. Wow. And while you were stripping, was there you talk about this on your te- your TEDx talk about the shame that you were you were experiencing being on stage and then the man in the you know the in the in the crowd and i'm curious in terms of that that shame and that liberation was that the piece from stripping that was like the biggest revolution or were there other sort of belief systems that came forward where you were like wow this is actually a healing process for me. I'm sure it was, right? Like that was the healing that happened. And then you were able to come out of that experience and start talking about it. But I'm, I'm just curious what else kind of surfaced during that time. Yeah. I mean, there were so many layers, you know, I'm working on my book right now. And so it's like, gosh, I keep going diving in and I'm like, oh my God, there's more layers. There's all of those pieces. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I would say that 
because I have been a temple priestess, you know, and a dakini and like in other lifetimes where I've done sacred sex work, like I know that, you know, so that there was definitely a part of it that, that was very much like I was at home. I was so very much at home and I was transmitting and I knew that I was. Um, so that was like one layer. Then there was another layer where it was like me giving the big fat middle finger to the patriarchy, if you will. I don't even like using that word anymore, but the, but the over culture and the programming and my father and like, I love my father. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the way that I had felt like I needed his approval, you know, he's a Middle Eastern man. He had a lot of opinions about who I should be. I wanted to be an actress. Um, and you know, that he wasn't having that. So, um, and it just a lot of control. So there was like the layer of me rebelling. And then there was the layer of me actually being in my temple priestess identity. That is a very core piece of what I hold. That, that, that is what happens like when I hold in-person retreats with women and what allows me to create a space for sexual healing is that piece of the coding, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then there was um, me exploring my shadow and being willing to go to all of those places. You know, there was like um, the drugs and the drinking and, um, and the ego and just getting so high off of, you know, uh, just getting so high off of like the attention, you know, there was, there was moments of, you know, there was definitely like dancing with the ego. There was, uh, um, codependent relationships with men because it was all projection. You know, I would meet the men at the club and I was very selective, but I was meeting like the most powerful men, you know, literally like running the white house. And, um, and some that were not running the White House that were, you know, powerful in other ways or the World Bank. I mean, they're just the most powerful men. And while I was very selective, it was also like, like very, in some ways, very toxic because it was all projection, you know, um, from them to me, because uh, these were in D.C., you know, a lot of those men have been to the Middle East. And so it was like, oh, my gosh, an Iranian dancer. And then I could hold a conversation and they could take me to dinners. And so then they were like. And she's so sexy and sensual. Oh, I want to marry you. <laughs> like, but it was no, but it was like, but I've been playing a role for you this whole time. Like, you don't even know me. You know, I've just been being what you want to be, be because you're giving me hundreds of dollars to sit here, you know? So um, there was all of the layers. And then the layers of being with the women, which is just this whole other piece, you know, Um I think I, yeah, I have a lot of karma from working with women. So just like, you know, all the layers, like whether it's like now, all these years later, I look at like the bond that even with the woman where we weren't like close and we didn't like each other, there's just a bond because it's like we went, we were on the battlefield together. That's how it feels. Yeah. yeah. You know, men going to war, women, women being in a strip club together for a bunch of years. That's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a spiritual belief that we all are in the specific places where we are at that time for a specific reason to even clear karma. And so even if it's to bring light to an experience or to, to dissolve the shame, which you talk a lot about in your, in your talks, it's like, if that was what was meant to be in that moment, it's all perfect and divine in that experience. And so what I've also noticed is that in the shame story, 
once we share the shame and once we talk about it, we often no longer want to do the behavior anymore because it's the shame that we're addicted to, not necessarily the behavior. And so your story, I recognize deeply within myself a lot of times in my life where I was addicted to, like you said, the drugs, the drinking, the eating disorder, the not talking about my breast implant illness. Even recently, I shared about my IVF journey and just how I had so much shame behind the story. But then once I shared, the shame dissolved because I was no longer in hiding and it was the addiction to the shame that I was <laughs> I was living in. Um, and I think that that's so powerful for people to hear is like once you once you kind of put it out there and you're like, this is who I am and these are the multiple layers of, of who I am. Um, it, it, it's so vulnerable and allows us that process of healing. And I think right now more than ever, though, women are terrified to share about their past. They're terrified to be called out. They're terrified to be canceled. They're terrified to be, um, be a different representation of who they used to be and to really share this process of who they've become in their own self-discovery. And so I'm curious in terms of how you work with women in terms of vulnerability and allowing them to own exactly who they are, especially right now in the world we're living in right now, and then step into a more empowered place that is connected to their higher truth. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, there's something that I feel like is like important to say, you know, when you say women like and the shame that we felt, I think there's... Um, there's obviously this, uh, you know, there's this programming or this belief that we've co-created, like we, none of us are victims. And this is the thing that I've been so working with. This is like the thing that's so alive for me right now. And I'm leading a live retreat next week. So I'm so excited because I'm like in prep mode. And, and it's this piece of every, like I'm a co-creator in everything. Each one of us is a co-creator in all of it. We're creating every single thing. And so for a lot of my life, I came from the standpoint of like being a rebel and like a revolutionary because I had felt so oppressed. And that's a natural step in the evolution process and standing up for our rights and becoming our full self and, you know, being our evolved being of love. That is a natural step. But those are really, that's just a reclamation process. And then there's the actual expression of our highest potential, which comes from this wasn't done to us. We have been complicit in this. We've been complicit in consciousness. We've been complicit in staying silent. And, and, I, don't, and I mean this, like I've been working this with myself at such a core level because there are different steps. And I appreciate what you asked about, like how I work with them and the vulnerability. And I think where we are now, though, coming through the pandemic and everything that we've been through, I do think there is a sense of empowered sovereignty that we are ready to claim. Those of us who've been doing the work where it's like, no, I will not point the finger. I will not. I will not, you know, and I had this powerful experience. I will get to your question, but I just am going around circle a little bit. I had an experience a couple of months ago where I was in a sort of a volunteer context of a, of a leadership program and I'd stepped in to volunteer and I was experiencing uh, some powerful misogyny in the organization. And I was sort of being you know, uh, mansplained and handled and uh, it, it was just so powerful. And I felt like my insides were being put through a meat grinder. I was so angry. I was so angry. Oh, I was so triggered. I was talking to my best friend. I was like, oh, you know, ah. And then in that, oh, I was like, oh, if I am this triggered, it must also be in me. 
I must also be an effing misogynist because why else am I so triggered? It was the pain body. It was the pain body. I wasn't, I wasn't connecting to like the vision and possibility and oneness and equity. I was triggered. It was my pain. And so to have that level. And so I got to like do the work in that moment, in that very moment, I was walking around my kitchen. I was like, okay, so where am I a misogynist? I must be a misogynist. Where am I a misogynist? And I realized that morning of that day, we had a new cleaning lady who is Filipino, Filipina. And I had asked my husband to negotiate the rate with her and I didn't do it. Hmm. And I was like, see, that's me. I'm just like him. I'm just like the guy that I want to strangle because he's mansplaining me in front of 40 people. And so it became this journey because I was in a team of leaders and, you know, had women calling me saying, oh my God, I was so triggered. I wanted to stand up for you, you know? And I was like, I never felt like I needed anybody to stand up for me. I thought I was holding my own because <laughs> I wasn't backing down. But, you know, I, ultimately I got to say, hey guys, like, and the men saying, oh my God, next time you can count on me to speak up. I was like, I don't want this agreement. I am actually completely standing that I, I am the creator of this experience so that I can have a healing and a greater understanding of myself. Wow. I'm don't give me the agreement because it's actually pulling me back from coming into that sovereign creation space. So all of that to say, um, you know, it, there's different layers. There's this, uh, there's this expectation put on that there's some ideal, that there's some image of ideal woman that we can live up to. That, there, that you will be perfectly fertile, that you will be mm-hmm. completely sexual and like perform like a whore in the bedroom for your man. And you will be an elegant hostess for everybody else. And you will be the perfect mother and you will be the perfect CEO. And, you know, you will never have these emotions that, you, you know, the rage will never come out of you. You will manage right. all of it. You don't fart. Like, you know, it's like you're just this image and we buy into it not as victims, but we've consciously bought into it because we're actually, we are the ones who have rejected those parts that, you know, it's, um, I've been reading this book by Vicki Noble called The Double Goddess. And in it, she's talking about, um, it's about women sharing power, but it's really talking about like women are inherently bipolar. If you look like not as a mental illness, but that that is our nature. Every month, the cycle of the body like dies and is born, dies and is born, that we're not meant to be just one face. And yet, we think that we're meant to be one face. So now coming back to your question, after all that is, you know, I have a woman in one of my programs who I love, and she comes from um, indigenous ancestry. She comes from a long line of indigenous healers, like powerful like sort of like royalty shamans. And she was an adult film star. She was an award-winning film star. And now that her most recent lineage has passed, she's stepping into fulfilling this role of medicine woman. And it's been, the journey has been so beautiful to watch because part of it is like what you said, is like the shame dissolves when we share it. And that's like a big part of you know, right at the get-go, we create the depth, we go deep in the circles. And then it's like, name the shame, name it, name it, tell the story. And we sit and we weep and we witness. And then it's a journey. It's a journey of reclamation. And I'm just seeing, because we're going to be together next week, you know, that she's, she's, uh, 
you know, reclaiming it fully. Because until recently, she kept saying, well, that was a part of my past. That was a part of my past. And I said, stop apologizing. Like, you know, like you made a mistake. And, and that was the thing. Because she's like, yeah, it was part of it was coming from my wounding. And I freaking loved it. And I'm like, own that shit. Own it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, and she's coming into ownership of it. So that's really the piece that dissolves. It's like, if we can have a circle of intimate sisters that we trust, hold the bucket of tears, hold for the unraveling so that we can cry and be vulnerable and have that peace. Like, oh, maybe I did make a mistake. Oh, I like, I don't like that I have to show this to the world. Oh, you know, that part of, oh, I just, you know, this. why do I have to love this part of myself? And then it's like, okay, once you've cried all your tears, now you get to reclaim it and own it as a part. And then when that happens, when we reclaim, when she reclaims that part, like she's just been doing like over the last week, when I reclaim like, oh, I must be the misogynist, then my relationship to the thing that I'm relating to is not coming from those base energy centers. I'm actually able to come from the heart. She's actually able to relate from the heart rather than constantly defending herself, you know? Am I making sense? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful. And I think that as we start to go back into the world and as we're noticing this reclamation of our truths and this empowerment that so many women are stepping into right now, I I, I truly believe that this pandemic was such a gift um, for that because there's just been so many incredible ideas and I've just been such a witness to hearing so many women really ready to take ownership and create a different planet right? Like really create a different place for all of us to coexist. And in that, I think it's like you said, it's so important to be on both sides, to be a witness to when we're in judgment of someone else's past, because then there's healing to do within ourselves. And then also to notice where we feel shame about any story from our past um, and where we're, where we're maybe recreating it, right? Where we're, where we're manifesting it and again, because we're not willing to let it go because it's keeping us in our discomfort um, and what we're finally t- ready to let go of when we have someone on the other side of us that's holding really that, it, I would consider it like this unconditional love. And my, my husband and I do this where when we talk about the, our moments of shame, it's like, can I love you still unconditionally? And can I hold space to love you unconditionally within your shame and as you're sharing your shame? And I think that that is one of the the greatest gifts. And I'm sure you teach this. It's like one of the greatest gifts you can do for another human is to love them in their, in their pain and their shame. And so it, it's just beautiful what you're offering to, to so many women. Mm, yeah. And what's, you know, what what is so thank you thank you for sharing that and and that reflection and you know it's like as we share we give others permission mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you know do you know that almost I mean I don't even lead with the stripper story anymore because I feel like I, I mean I just feel like if if anybody googles me it's everywhere you know but um it's like when I used to say it to women like one on one you know literally 95% of the time it was one of these two responses either oh, i always wanted to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> or i did it too mm. or i'm doing it now mm-hmm. <laughs> like and 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 on the hush like nobody would know mm-hmm. you know like i'm doing it now and nobody knows and external facing like coaching platform she's a coach and mm-hmm. behind the scenes she's stripping and so very very few times have i had like more of like a 
you know, glazed look on somebody's face or some version of internal like, ooh, shame, shame, shame. Yeah. And I loved on your talk when you said, are you making me, are you, am I making you uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> and it just scans out to the whole room. <laughs> it's like, it's like cue entire room to see how everyone's responding. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. It, 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 and in that, right. It's like, we can constantly ask ourselves, well, if I place the blame on someone else for making me uncomfortable, then I'm giving away my power because I'm not willing to look at my own healing. And so in those moments, we have that opportunity to say, okay, I'm uncomfortable. Why am I uncomfortable? Why am I uncomfortable? What is this? What is this? Yeah. Doing in my own, you know, consciousness awareness, like what needs to shift within myself? Um, what am I rejecting? It, yeah. It's really that, yeah. you know, that's, we just keep rejecting these pieces. And then, and then it's, it's like as we reject the pieces of ourselves, we're rejecting each other. And as we reject each other, we're rejecting pieces of ourselves. And so it's really impossible to come into an experience of unity when, you know, we've obviously experienced such profound um, separation over the, over the last few years. It's so obvious to just look and see how divided we have been. And that's that's really the reflection of our, you know, of our inner division. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I what I find is that what I'm noticing on social media, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, is that we almost jump into a camp of our discomfort so we feel unified in all of our discomforts. And that's not healing either because then that that wound becomes deeper and deeper because so many people are validating that wound for us. That's it. It's not about agreement. That's the thing, you know? It's And that's what I was saying. I was like, hey, you guys, stop agreeing with me. I am really, I am really owning that I created him this way for my healing. Like I am in full, like, you know, I was having a transcendent experience of awakening through that, that exchange. And, and yeah, we get, we get into, you know, like my, our nanny was sharing with me, like she was, she was having, she was having a lot of young, um, you know, things to say about COVID. And one day I just looked at her and I was like, do you think that's productive? You know, I kind of called her out and then she, she, you know, like a few days later, she said, you know, I feel so much better. I went and pulled myself out of all these crazy telegram groups. Mm. you know, where she was hanging out and like the fire was getting fueled, but there was no, there was nothing productive about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't going anywhere. It had no positive agenda. It had no agenda to unify. And um, so that's, you know, I think that's the thing that we all get to remember. And what I'm most passionate about is like what is available for us as women when we step out of shame in terms of our leadership. Who do we get to be? What do we get to create? What is our voice? you know, what is our highest calling? And when we look at all of the leaders, all of the great leaders of the world, they have been unifiers. They have been bringing people together. They've been saying like a more sameness, more togetherness, not creating division. Mm-hmm. Our, our truest leaders, like yeah. spiritual leaders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Just, you know. Absolutely. And so if if women are holding themselves back from being empowered to really maybe take those next steps right now. And and under it is this fear component. And you've been talking a little bit about scarcity too in your emails, which I've been reading. Um, often there's the scarcity mindset, right? Of like, who am I to invest in myself? Who am I to put this on a credit card? Who am I to launch this business without knowing anything about business yet? Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear and, and scarcity. And the challenge I'm seeing right now is that that wound is being projected back to us more than ever with the political systems, the worldviews, the, you know, all the fear that's being created. And, and like you were sharing, there's a lot of these groups where it's just constant fear mongering all day long, every day, over and over again. Um, and then that 
creates the imprint and then we, we foster the wound that we're in. Um, and so I'm curious in terms of getting out of that fear and scarcity mindset to move into this more empowered place of, okay, I'm going to take the next steps in my life. How are you supporting people through that? Or is there a mindset shift that has worked really well for you and your life um, in terms of creating abundance and then, and then impact? Yeah. I, yeah. Th- th- there's, there's several layers in that. I mean, I think the question really is like, what am I avoiding? What do I, what am I avoiding feeling? What, do, what am I avoiding feeling? What am I avoiding experiencing? There, there's always something there, you know, sometimes it's like when you talk about like investing in yourself, sometimes it's about the money. And a lot of times it's this fear of like, who will I become, mm-hmm. you know, and the fear that if she steps into her authentic self, if she is really in her power, that, that everything will fall apart, that there, that she will lose her marriage, that, that her parents will reject her. And these are, it's interesting because in, you know, it's the fear of that death. It's the fear of like what I call like the dark goddess, the, the dark goddess of transformation, Mother Kali. You know, it's it's like we're, we're so afraid of that and rightfully so because it does feel like death, but it really just feels like death, like your body doesn't die and we think everything is going to fall apart. Like we really think everything is going to fall apart and it will in the way that it is, but it will be reborn and it will be reborn in a higher state. The marriage will evolve. The relationships with the parents will evolve. It may not be entirely comfortable for a while, but it's going to evolve to a higher consciousness, a higher possibility, a space that can out, like hold for you, for the listener, you know, if you're in this situation to express your greatest, most authentic self. And the programming is that you will be rejected, not accepted. You are not okay as you are. So because that is the programming, of course, you would be afraid. That's that's just like one piece of it. I mean, I think that's really the biggest piece. I really do. Because I have seen women, Sarah, I have, I mean, I have like a single mom. Um, you know, I've had mo- many single moms through the years, but like I have one who's so amazing. You know, I was talking to her. She is, I, I we do uh, extend um, diversity scholarships, you know, where it's kind of like reduced tuition to programs. But like even that, even that is still an investment. And she's a single mom of three kids. She is a, an ethnic minority. And do you know what? She was like, she was a hell yes. She was like, I'm doing this. Like, let me see if I can go sell my car. Mm. I am done. I am done playing by somebody else's rules. I am done being afraid for my spiritual gifts. Like someone's going to think I'm a witch or whatever. Like I'm done. And so she didn't have to sell her car. The money showed up. Mm. But, you know, it, it, it's that that um, readiness. Readiness yeah. of like, I will not buy what I have been fed. I will not eat that shit. <laughs> like, no. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's in the trust that in the stepping in that the universe presents all of the gifts that are needed, but it's it, it's in the detaching from how to get there that the universe shows up. And that's yes. the hard part, right? It's, it's like we want so much control. And I love how you shared um, about rejection because I think from, from the work that I do, one of the stories that is created – that is so deeply embedded is this idea of rejection. And I don't know if it's a tribal thing where we feel that, you know, I think it's really about like community, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be rejected from the community in which I'm in. Yeah. And then I won't have the tribe. And this probably goes back to our 
very deep ancestors. But when you study community and tribes around the world, when you actually make a mistake, they often bring you in and celebrate you and, you know, do a whole ceremony around forgiveness and love and compassion and grace. But here there's a different type of energy. And so what I love that you're talking about is that you might burn the community, like, like everything might burn down around you, but the community in which you're going to step into is going to be such a different level of, you know, a different level of love. It's going to be this sort of unconditional love of empowerment and witnessing where you are and still wanting you to become a better version of, of who you are and holding that vision for you. And it's just, it's, it's about trusting that those individuals exist. And I know that feeling, it is so hard. Like when I, I literally, when I left my modeling career, I burned down everything. I shut off all my social media accounts. I was like, I need to reset everything. And I was so terrified of not having friends anymore. I was, I was so terrified of not having community. I was so terrified of not having people around me that I could rely on. Not that I could really rely on the community I was in, but, um, but like from that, just beautiful humans were created in my life. And, and you know, I, I was able to really manifest such an epic community like you're doing with your groups. And so I just want to offer that to the listeners is that is that maybe who you're around isn't actually the right community for you. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. And only stepping into your in, into the next level will allow you to to shift that. Yeah, like feeling into the feeling. I love what you're sharing. Like what it's like to literally have like allies. You know, people that really want to see you win, not just on the material plane of like they want to see you make money or they want to, you know, go to expensive dinners with you. You know, or get published. Not not that. <laughs> the allies that that are really rooting for you to be your happiest, healthiest most enlightened, most loving, uh, you know, for living the life that's fulfilling your dreams. You know, um, I had a, my, my best friend who was my best friend when I was dancing, who was the one who got me into dancing. Cause I thought I just didn't know girls like me danced until I met her. Um, you know, she, her and I, like, we, we parted for a long time. Like we were, we were connected, but once I really committed to the path and I was like, yeah, this is my life is this path of awakening on only this path. Mm -hmm. Then she went down a different road. And, you know, sometimes we would go a few years without seeing each other. Sometimes we'd go several months without something like, you know, just birthdays and holidays. And, you know, we were at each other's weddings and, and then here we are like 10, 11 years later. And she, she's back. Like mm. he has so claimed herself as a healer and her path. And now her husband is on the path and, you know, they're just all in. So mm -hmm. I share this to say the ones that are like those soul allies, we mm -hmm. may part for a while, but they will come back. So you get to trust. And that's why I think what you said about the trust is like spiritual practice, whatever you have, whether it's faith, whether it's, you know, the, the thing that brings you back to faith, like prayer, meditation, whatever sacred texts you read, like, that's the most essential thing that can just have us know that we are safe, we are loved enough that we can move with courage. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful story about your friend that's happened to me with, with quite a few friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I also just want to emphasize the fact that um, – that there is this saying about if you lost, you know, everything in your life, like if you lost your money and you lost your partner and you lost your career, who would be left? 
Like who would be left holding you there and loving you unconditionally? And recently I, I, I went through this whole sort of wounded experience where I sat with my – I sat with like seven of my best friends and we were having dinner and I just said, I'm really terrified about becoming a mother because my work will probably slow down. I might take a couple years off and I'm not really sure where my relationship to – all of the funnels and the marketing and kind of these mastermind talks that we always have will be like, I just need to hear from you that you'll still love me and we'll still be friends. And it was like such a vulnerable moment for wow. me to just be with my friends and share how, how, how sad I was for so long thinking like, wow, I need to prove myself or I need to, to bring value to them and I need to be relevant. Mm-hmm. And like all of them were just so loving and compassionate. They were like, no, you're going to be one of our best friends if you never work another day in your life. Um, and that's that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about that sort of unconditional love and support yeah. regardless of, you know, the mistakes you made or how big you grow your business or what your decision title. you yeah, the title. changed to pivot, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the uh, title. That's absolutely. beautiful. I'm so glad you have that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, if we could offer this to everyone to just witness their wound and be able to voice it openly okay. and freely in front of in front of their friends. Well, and I want to share something with you, which is actually a reflection of exactly what you said a little while ago, like saying if some people go, some people will come in. Mm-hmm. My my very best friend now who's like my soulmate. I mean, my husband just jokes like, "Oh, you're a non-sexual life partner." Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we didn't get close until I was becoming a mother. We, mm. we knew each other, but, the, and then she's literally like, I mean, we are, we, we don't live in the same place, but we are attached at the hip energetically. And because being a mom is such a big part of her identity and she's an entrepreneur, she's a badass entrepreneur, but she, she her first thing was like, I'm going to be a mom first. So she had two kids at like 22 and then she's become an entrepreneur. But the reason I'm sharing it is just like that she's not, who she is, she doesn't know how to relate with women who like very intimately with women who are not moms because mm. it's like, Oh, you don't get the peace, this peace. That's so critical. You know, the, the giving and the unconditional love that I'm pouring into this being. So that's just like part of how she is. And so I said to her, she said, Oh, we only became close. Cause I knew you were getting pregnant. Mm. And I was like, Oh, and I said to her, I said, you know, thanks, babe. Thanks for going first. I was, she was giving me some mothering advice. <laughs> And I said, thank you for going first. And she said, yeah, thanks for going first on everything else. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we balance each other out, you know? Yeah. So yes. I'm just offering that to you because there are probably some mama friends that are coming yeah. for you that you're going to fall so madly in love with two sisters and there's just going to be more love. Totally. It's so, it, And it is beautiful to just witness like how – you know, wherever our values are doesn't doesn't mean that other people – like my value right now is to become a mom. That doesn't mean that the people in my life can't love me or my relationship dynamics can't can't shift and, yeah. you know, grow. And so it's it's just being available. It's, it's really about being available and not holding ourselves in this box of like, you know, the conditioned beliefs that, that we're in. And um, I've also had to really let go of what you were talking about before, which is this like superwoman identity of like having it all together and having it perfect and being the perfect wife, and, like all of the things. And I was like, what if I just let go of this identity? And that's been a huge process and in, in also going through this uh, IVF journey because I'm like, wow, that's part of the wound. The wound is that 
I don't feel like I can take something else on while being the superwoman to everything else. Yeah. And so what if I allow some of these other things to crumble or not be quote unquote perfect in these other experiences? What would that look like in order to step into motherhood? And so um, yeah, you know, it's just so many layers, right? And and the only way to get to it is really doing this work. Um, and so I'm curious in your programs, what what are what are you walking them through? What are, what does kind of this work look like? Because I think people hear it and they're like, oh, that sounds amazing. But then how do I actually get to the trauma and the pain and imprinting new stories and kind of creating this new life for myself? Yeah. I mean, we, we start, you know, so my work is always based on the body. So like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, we're moving everything through all the teachings, all the learning and all the unlearning is happening through the body. And so we start with what have we learned? What ha- So we start with why are we here? <laughs> why are you here? What do you want? And then we go right to the core of it. Like, what did you learn? What did you learn about God? What did you learn about womanhood? What did you learn about sex? What did you learn about what you're allowed, your voice, like all of it? And then it becomes a process of unlearning and the unlearning happens. And then, so where does that learning live in your body? And then how do we unlearn? We do, you know, like shamanic practices for moving through the ancestral realm and and like in the body and releasing from the maternal lineage and um, reclaiming like voice, taking what, you know, what serves from the ancestors and releasing what doesn't serve. And, and that's part of the unlearning. So the first bit is about, it's like the unlearning is, is woven in quite a bit because it's hard to learn to see through the eyes of unconditional love, to, to see ourselves as a divine mother would see us. You know, oh, just you perfect, perfect, perfect divine being. Oh, you perfect child. Oh, you perfect being. Oh, I adore you. So hard to see ourselves as, as that without the unlearning. So it's the unlearning. And then we go into the sensuality of the body and eroticism and what it feels like to be alive. And then it's like, okay, now see through the eyes of love, see through the eyes of love. We work with colors and clothes and like seeing the physicality like oh I was actually made with love like Mm -hmm. my eye colors have has purpose so in the way that it's placed with my skin color and so we work with psychology of color palettes and clothes and this is so powerful because I keep thinking I'm like oh I'm just too much work I I don't want to do this part anymore and then and then it's like no because something always happens a really big shift around worthiness where, 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 where the first piece is like seeing themselves. And then the second piece is, oh, like, you want me to buy that? You want me to dress like a goddess? Like, you want me to wear that? What will people say? And it's like, who cares what they say? Where are Whole foods? Go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, and then all the things that happen, like all the things, like they'll come back saying, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I haven't had a promotion in seven years. I just got a promotion. You know, I got, I got offered a board seat. I like, like the whole gamut, you know, just all the things or, um, what are, what are, oh yeah. Like, um, like my husband's really triggered. (laughs) That happens, you know, my husband's really triggered. My husband's really in love that they, we get to work with those triggers because there's usually like a power, um, struggle in the marriage when that happens. But, you know, or like, oh my gosh, like my husband can't get enough of my, my ass. And so, you know, it's all, all of these layers that then support the woman to rest into, huh, maybe I am enough. Maybe I could say that thing. Maybe I could put that thing out. Maybe I could step out of, you know, maybe I could bring dancing to corporate women as an organizational development consultant, like just the craziest things like happen, you know, like lawyers turn into Tantra teachers. Um, 
it and not because they're rejecting one, but it's just this process of like, why did I think I needed to be that? Was that authentic? Who am I really? Oh, I'm this. And there, you know, the life becomes more. Um, and there, you know, there's obviously a process of like taking care of your loved ones in the process, because sometimes in that when we have felt oppressed, like the the permission piece feels like ah, I'm busting out, get out of my way. And so there's also this process of like, okay, so you are becoming free to be your full self. Let's love the people around you. Let's tell them how to hold space for you. Let's tell them exactly what's going on, so that you know they're not you're not sort of creating wreckage that you don't want to be creating. Absolutely. And when we start to identify and recognize that we are love, right? When we, when we actually witness ourselves as pure love, then we choose behaviors that are rooted in self-love, which is, you know, what I teach from choosing the foods that make us feel the most alive in our bodies to choosing the movement, you know, the dance that we enjoy and the playful experiences to choosing our partners and our relationships, to our career, to our life path and the impact we want to have. It's all a reflection of of the love that we have for ourselves versus the story we've been taught, which is love is out there. So when I get that thing, I'll feel love for myself, which never works. We always have to do the reverse approach. And so when we start to embody that, then our entire life, like you said, maybe starts to crumble, but it actually starts to reflect the love that exists within us that's always been there. That's the cool part. Like it's always been there. It's never gone anywhere. And yet it's about coming home to it and recognizing it versus being in the story that it's external. Yeah. So I yeah. absolutely love that. And I love the work you're doing. It's so, so powerful. Um, I'm curious for the listeners who want to dive into this work, who want to learn more, who want to join your programs, where can they find you? Where can they connect? What are the best places to to, to dive deeper? Because you have, you have so much online and your writing is so powerful. And I love how you talk about this like beauty unleashed and the, there's just so much great content. Oh, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. You are so vulnerable, um, just like your way is. So I'm like learning from you just by being with you. And I really appreciate it. So I think the best way to connect, I mean, obviously um, everyone can go to the website anahitajune.com. Um, I think that'll be in your show notes, maybe, right? So my name is The Spelling. And then I, we, have a, we have a Facebook group, which is really the best place to gather. Um, it's called Embodied Feminine Leadership. And it's a place where, you know, it's, it's really just the community. It's like real, authentic, <laughs> uncensored of me showing up and sharing my process and then supporting the sisterhood. And where you also get to just be in that, like being seen and being reflected and we do lots of free things in there and it's just a great way to stay connected. So that's like, you know, um, Facebook groups, you can just search embodied feminine leadership and you'll see a picture of me sort of half naked draped in some white and, uh, would love to just stay connected. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. I absolutely loved it. I trust it's going to serve so many individuals and listeners. And definitely, definitely, I trust they're all going to pop over to your websites and Facebook groups and all the things to connect with you further. And I will definitely drop all of these links below as well. So thank you again for being here. I'm so grateful. My pleasure. And lots of love and aloha to your, to your listeners. 
All right, that concludes this interview. But before you go, I want to leave you with some last thoughts. So Anahita was such a wealth of knowledge and empowerment, especially when it came to defining and describing how to step in to our defined power and really reclaim our feminine energy. And so this week's challenge is really simple. It is to consider one way that you will take on some of these new beliefs and step back into the world more empowered. What has to shift internally? Take some time to consider what needs to shift in order for you to live out this truth. Write it down, visualize it. Consider what this new truth looks like and feels like for you. Keep it front of mind in order to commit to this new way of being every single day. And so if this resonates with you, I invite you to join the awesome Inside Out Facebook group. It's a private, safe space filled with beautiful hearts coming together to encourage and uplift one another. And I encourage you to share this vision of what you want to step into there. And so for everyone who's already part of that group, thank you so much for helping us build such a beautiful community together. Lastly, drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts. Let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more about? And how can I support you in becoming happier and healthier? You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And until next week, I'm sending you so much love, a massive virtual hug. And I trust that you will use the wisdom shared today to truly step into this new way of being and living. All right, that concludes this podcast. It is my honor to always share with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You are here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feeling of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here, you are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. And if you benefit from it, it would mean the world to me if you could please spread this movement and share it with one person who you know would also benefit. We are all in this together, so thank you for being here and part of this movement.